This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. Hello again, Books and Nachos listeners. This is Arnie, and I am back again with my third installment in the series looking at the recent Marvel Comics prose novels. In 2012, Marvel Comics started self-publishing prose novels, adapting popular comic stories to the written page. And in the archives at Books and Nachos, you can hear my review of the first two books, Marvel Comics Civil War by Stuart Moore and Astonishing X-Men Gifted by Peter David. This week, we're looking at the third book in the series, New Avengers Breakout by Alyssa Quitney, released January 1st, 2013. This book is based on the first six issues of the New Avengers series, written by Brian Michael Bendis, published in 2005. Taking place after the events in the House of M crossover series, the Avengers had disbanded. The initial story arc of New Avengers shows how a breakout at a prison for superhuman villains led to the formation of New Avengers, consisting of Avengers staples Iron Man and Captain America, but joined by Wolverine, Sentry, Spider-Woman, and Luke Gage. Now, I'm an unabashed Bendis fan. The man has a huge following, and despite some backlash, I don't feel it's undeserved. His comics are full of exciting action, but also believable character development. For many years, I didn't read comics, but I had one exception, the Ultimate Spider-Man comic series. I didn't know Brian Michael Bendis by name, but I knew this retelling of the Peter Parker stories were so damn entertaining, I had to keep reading every time a new trade paperback came out. So when I got back into comics hardcore after the Marvel movies started hitting, I found Bendis not only wrote in the Ultimate Universe, but in the main Marvel 616 universe as well, and I have on my pull list almost every Bendis Marvel comic released. With Bendis writing, it's the first time in 20 years X-Men has been on my pull list. And due to Bendis' involvement, I went back and read this arc of the New Avengers a while ago. It was great. It had the quippy dialogue I love from Bendis, some great action, a who's who of supervillains, and some humor that bends the fourth wall without breaking it. That said, if I were to ding Bendis' style for one thing, it would be that his storytelling is uncompressed. The six issues of New Avengers didn't really have an arc. Broken down, it's two and a half issues of the breakout at the raft, then half an issue of the heroes agreeing to be part of a team, then we have three more issues of the heroes tracking down a few of the prison escapees in a dinosaur-infested tropical region of Antarctica known as the Savage Land. It's kind of a mishmash more than a story, and of the four stories Marvel announced that were being adapted to Marvel prose novels, this is the one that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me as a novel. Yeah, New Avengers number one sold very well, close to a quarter million copies, and John Jackson Miller over at his website Comicron cites it as a contender for one of the best-selling Avengers comics of all time, but those sales feel driven by a number of factors, such as the author and the fact that it was a number one. The fact that it was the Avengers back together again after disbanding. These are all things that are completely related to sales, but completely unrelated to, you know, the plot. Nobody's denying New Avengers number one sold big, but I've never heard anyone tell me this is a story that needed to be adapted either. Even more than the X-Men story I discussed in the last podcast, this six-issue arc is just so small. 
It's glorious in full-color comics, and it's entertaining to read by Bendis, but it doesn't jump out as something to translate into long-form prose. And I knew that to make this a novel, the author would have her work cut out for her. But I didn't know the author. Alyssa Quitney was not a name I recognized. I looked her up, and this is her first time ever writing a story involving Marvel Comics characters. She has worked in comics, but for DC, and she's more known for her editing than her writing. Most notably, she was assistant editor on Neil Gaiman's Sandman and edited quite a bit of Vertigo. Looking deeper, she is a published novelist, but as a writer, she's mostly known not for anything with capes and cowls, but for comedic romance novels. To put it bluntly, she writes chiclet. Given that her books are comedies, I could see that going in as a match for Bendis' witty writing style, but I was a bit nervous as Quitney mentioned in an interview with Wired that she has read Marvel Comics but wasn't really familiar with the characters. This is quite a change for this book series. The past two novels in the series were written by Marvel Comics authors. Though Stuart Moore is also a notable editor for both Marvel and DC, he's got an ink on his hands writing stories of superheroes as well. But I will give Quitney credit. Based on her work in the prose novel New Avengers Breakout, it seems as if she came into this job with a vision for what the book would be. Unlike Peter David's X-Men adaptation, Quitney felt no obligation to adhere to Bendis' original storyline. Heck, even the team roster has changed. Nowhere in this book will you find Wolverine, Sentry, or Daredevil, all staples in Bendis' original story. And even the returning characters, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Captain America, are marginalized in this book. So who does that leave? Well, surprisingly, Quitney focuses this book on two characters not even found in Bendis' New Avengers comics, Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff, better known as Hawkeye and the Black Widow. But this made instant sense to me. Coming out in early 2013, Quitney would have had time to see last year's Avengers film and allow that movie to influence her writing of this novel. And from that movie, two minor characters that became fan favorites were clearly Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. In the film, both are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and have worked together for some time. The characters in Quitney's novel feel far more influenced by those movie characters than by any of the Avengers comic books. I dare say Joss Whedon's Avengers looms larger over Quitney's new Avengers book than even the Bendis source material on which it's supposedly based. Gone is Hawkeye's purple costume. Instead, when the book opens, he's a black-clad agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., answering to Maria Hill and Nick Fury and working with Phil Coulson. They even describe his non-regulation sleeveless vest, the same one Runner sported in the Avengers. This Clint Barton is a S.H.I.E.L.D. assassin who uses his bow for lethal purposes. And, like in the movie, he's partnered with a lithe, black-clad female S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. But in Quitney's novel, that agent isn't the Black Widow, it's Jessica Drew, also known as Spider-Woman. The two agents are working aboard the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier when Barton notices an intruder on deck. The Black Widow had somehow managed to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D.'s airborne headquarters, and Barton is the first person to realize it. Once captured, the Black Widow claims she's abandoned her previous employment as a Russian spy. She was considering new employment, possibly with S.H.I.E.L.D., and she had infiltrated their defenses to see if they'd be a group worth joining. Barton distrusts the Black Widow, but he's also desperately attracted to her. The two seem to share similar paths and careers, and both are trained spies and assassins, but Hawkeye doesn't know if Black Widow is playing him, or if the attraction is mutual and real. More, Jessica Drew is both distrusting of the Russian spy and jealous of her partner's attraction for the redhead. Yes, folks, it's a love triangle set in the Marvel Universe, and this is the main plot of Quitney's novel, New Avengers Breakout.
Now, before you groan and complain about a chick-lit author turning comics into a soap opera, let me say, comics are always soap operas. I've read hundreds of issues of X-Men, Spider-Man, Hulk, and Avengers, and I know for a fact that the long-running threads are not who's the bad guy trying to take over the world, but it's who is the hero dating. Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man and Mary Jane, Spider-Man and Black Cat, Vision and Scarlet Witch, Rogue and Gambit. These romance stories may be more aimed at boys than girls, but there is no doubt that romance is a key element of comic book storytelling. And here, it's the main thrust of the story. The plot revolves around these three characters and their feelings for each other. You're probably wondering how this novel has any relation to the Bendis comics. How this novel could even purport to be New Avengers Breakout if the main story is lust between spies. Well, it is still a superhero story, and there's more than kissy-faced spies in the novel. The basic plot of Quitney's novel follows Bendis' story exactly. After her capture, Drew Barton and superhero Luke Cage escort Black Widow to superhuman prison The Raft for detainment and happen to be there when electric-powered supervillain Electro initiates a massive prison break and superheroes Captain America, Iron Man, and Spider-Man rush to the scene to contain the damage. The crew ends up working together, though Black Widow escapes in the chaos. Half the inmates escape, and Iron Man and Captain America decide it's time to form a new Avengers team to stop future disasters like this one. And Cage, Spider-Man, Drew, and Barton are the members. Tracing down clues, they find one of the escaped prisoners is a mutant named Sauron. He's returned to his home in the Savage Land, and the new Avengers fly down to capture him. If you take Black Widow and Hawkeye out of that story and replace him with Daredevil and Sentry, the story is almost identical. Quitney even includes some Bendis touches that perhaps she shouldn't. In both stories, Drew is a double or perhaps triple agent. She works for S.H.I.E.L.D., but in secret she reports to Nick Fury and has infiltrated terrorist organization HYDRA. It's slightly different between the comics and the book, and not fully revealed in the comics' first arc, but Quitney does include that detail. And like Bendis' story, in the Savage Land they encounter an unlikely ally, in Quitney's novel it's the Black Widow again, in Bendis' comic it's Wolverine, and together they uncover an insidious S.H.I.E.L.D. plot. The heroes even end up captured, tied up naked, just like in the Bendis comic. Yeah, a lot of the story beats are the same. Heck, it sometimes feels as if Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Captain America, and Iron Man are going through the same motions without realizing there's new characters surrounding them. It's kind of like the scene in Forrest Gump with President Nixon, if you put Hawkeye and Black Widow in the Forrest Gump role, going about doing their own thing while the main characters march stoically on. And as for Hawkeye and Black Widow, in the Savage Land, they have some savage lust and given to their passions. Quitney tells of their triple X passion in a very PG-rated way, but even when naked together, the two hardened spies still aren't sure of each other's allegiances. It certainly is an unusual way to translate Bendis' story. But like I said at the beginning, Bendis' comics needed something added if they're going to be extended to novel length. After the Avengers film, this relationship makes sense as something to explore. But I don't think all comics fans will be appeased with this story. Quitney's strength is in the romance, but her weakness is in the action. Her action scenes are mostly short and written in such a way that I never get a good feeling for scale or pace. Even during the prison breakout, a huge action set piece that spans two and a half issues of the comics. Here, it seems to go by pretty quickly, and I never quite get a sense of where anyone is or how they're working. 
Even when Spider-Man is swarmed by dozens of supervillains, it just never read as exciting. Fights happened, but they were very matter-of-fact and rote. There's a number of Mexican standoffs, and I think that's Quitney's idea of action tension, one person pointing a gun at another person's head. That can induce tension, but there needs to be more than that, especially when dealing with heroes we know are going to survive the story. Spider-Man gets beaten, but where's the consequences? He talks about bruises later. So? Does anything ever come of it? It doesn't. Quitney gives more through the romance, but not the action. And as for humor, given that Quitney's other stories were romantic comedies and Bendis' New Avengers comics were smartly funny, I really expected this book to be full of laughs, but that's really not the case. There are some amusing situations, but compared to Bendis' original writing or compared to last week's Peter David book, this isn't all that funny. The best joke in the book was in the Savage Land, and Spider-Man and Luke Cage are saying how they feel more comfortable in Manhattan than the jungle, and Iron Man says maybe they should call themselves the Urban Avengers, only taking on crime in major metropolitan areas. It's cute, it harkens to the kind of stuff Bendis would write, but mostly these jokes fall flat. But Quitney also takes the book to some uncomfortable places. During a tender moment between Hawkeye and Black Widow, Hawkeye reveals to being an underage hustler for money. Yeah. The specifics of what he did are left vague, but he traded sex for money and favors, and that's really not someplace I'd expect or want Hawkeye, especially the movie Hawkeye, to go. I consider this a character betrayal that served to show Hawkeye trusting the Black Widow with something deeply private and personal, but I think it was the wrong choice for a superhero and agent. Some things once written can't be unwrote, and I really didn't need to think of Hawkeye's own private Idaho. But that is the book's theme, and it stands out like a neon sign. This book is all about trust. How much can Hawkeye really trust Black Widow? Can he trust her with his secrets? Can he trust her with his heart? Can Jessica trust her partner to think with his brain and not with his groin? Can the team trust Jessica, even though she's secretly a double agent? Even the surprise end villain, who I won't spoil here, is painted as a baddie more for a betrayal of trust than for other nefarious deeds. And if these central characters' story didn't drive home the book's theme, the only time any other character gets a moment is again related to trust. It's interesting when Spider-Man is challenged to remove his mask and trust his new teammates with a secret identity, but it's really the only character moment Spider-Man has in the entire novel. Captain America is completely flat throughout until the very end when he also must make a decision based on trust. But other than those brief scenes, all the characters other than Clint, Natasha, and Jessica remain underdeveloped. Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Captain America are set dressing and they have no arc whatsoever. And even their trust-building moments are often unoriginal, such as a fireside scene when the heroes compare battle scars. It's just like the memorable scene in Jaws. Although in Jaws, Quint and Hooper didn't use their scars for flirtation and Black Widow and Hawkeye do. But after all of this flirtation and trust games, the book's ending is anticlimactic. While most comics would end with a huge fight, again, Quitney doesn't do great action, so this book ends with not one but two Deus Ex Machina storytelling devices that get the heroes out of two jams in a row. It's lazy, it's sloppy, and it feels like a race for the book to end. And end it does, quickly. Coming in at 230 pages, Quitney's book is almost a third shorter than the previous two books in the series. But all that said, when the final page was turned a scant couple hours after I started reading this book, I was actually really happy with this installment of the Marvel prose novel series. My big complaint 
with Peter David's X-Men novel was that no matter how well written it was, it offered absolutely nothing new. Alicia Quitney's New Avengers book does the exact opposite. She uses Bendis' story only as a framework, but she's created an entirely new story. Any fans of the movie version of Black Widow and Hawkeye, especially the shippers who want to see those two in a romance, would really enjoy this book. Even if you've read Bendis' story, this book offers such a different take that it would be worth a read, especially for younger, less demanding readers. That said, I've referred to these Marvel prose novels I'm reviewing as a series, and in my interview with editor Stuart Moore, which you can hear in the archives at MarveliciousToys.com, he said the books were taking place in their own continuity. However, there are some missed opportunities for continuity here that would have been fun. Given that the Avengers are reassembling here, I think it would have been nice if it was happening after Civil War, picking up on those threads as to why the Avengers disbanded. It would have given this book something else new to offer and made it more relatable. Instead, in this book, it's right after the events of House of M, just like in the comics. The only continuity change we have in this book is that it is post one more day as Spider-Man opens the book on a bad date and thinks ruefully towards missing his wedding with MJ, whereas in the comics, Spider-Man is happily married to Mary Jane. But other than that, this book really seems to exist in its own continuity, completely unrelated to the other Marvel prose novels. Moore said it takes place before, but there's not even anything setting up a superhero registration act that would make it a good prequel. So, the book isn't all good. Like I said, the action is blah and the ending a confusing letdown, but the book feels made for a very niche audience, and for that audience, it delivers. More, I'd say that this book may appeal to female fans of the Avengers. It's a chick-lit writer taking a chick-lit approach to superheroes and done in a PG-rated way that even teen and tween girls could perhaps enjoy a little superhero romance. And it seems Marvel may have found success with this formula. The next book I'll review in the series, an adaptation of Iron Man Extremis that came out last Tuesday, is the last book of this series. Marvel has not announced any more prose novels that adapt popular comic arcs. Instead, Marvel has announced two new prose novels coming out this summer. They're paperback books published by Hyperion, focusing on female heroes and written by female authors, though neither by Quitney. Yes, indeed, the next series of Marvel novels is entirely chiclet. This hardcover new Avengers book seems to have been the first step in that direction. But we'll discuss the implications of those new books next time, as we have one more Marvel prose novel to review. Released just a couple days ago, it was Iron Man Extremis by Marie Javins based on the Warren Ellis story arc. It's perfectly timed release, ties into the Iron Man 3 movie hype, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks with that review. Until then, you can hear my reviews of the other Marvel prose novels in the archives at booksandnachos.com, and remember to support your local bookstore. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. So let me get this straight. Black Widow and Hawkeye are walking in the tropical savage land for days. They have no showers. 
They have no way to bathe. They have sex multiple times. God, the stench must be atrocious. <laughs>